If you can't sleep at night, it isn't the coffee, it's the bunk. I beg your pardon? Here's what I need. A laptop, a digital watch, a cell phone, a pneumatic actuator from your bazooka over there, a map of town, a big spring, and a tuna fish sandwich. Well, come what may. Merry Christmas, Mr. Wade. Merry Christmas, Albert. Hello, old sport. You are listening to I Saw It in a Movie, an advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I am the old sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Hicks, and this is my film pal, The Red Herring. Ryan Silverstein. And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. So before we get to today's question, we like to share with our listeners what we have been watching lately, which we have deemed flick picks. So Ryan, what have you been watching? Uh, so I don't know if you know, but occasionally in 2020, there are still new movies to be seen. Um, you don't say. <laughs> and I, we usually <laughs> talk about older films during this segment, but I wanted to spotlight one of those new movies um, that people should not overlook, and that is uh, Kelly Reichardt's First Cow. Um, so I've now been able to, luckily, I've been lucky enough to see the film twice. I saw it as one of the last films uh, that I saw in the theater uh, as a, at a press screening before it was supposed to be released, and then the release got canceled like the next day after the screening. Uh, and then it is now out uh, to, available to buy digitally. Um, so I was able to see it again and actually like write a full review and not have to base it on my scratch notes from three, four months ago. Um, but it's the new film from Kelly Reichardt. Um, she's one of my, she's a director I really like that I want to go back and fill in the rest of uh, her filmography, but I really liked certain women. Um, and so this is a story about two men on the Oregon frontier in the 19th century uh, and a rich person imports uh, a cow, the first cow in the Oregon territory. Uh, and so to try to get a jump on their business uh, of being bakers, they, in the middle of the night, milk the cow, steal the milk and turn them into cakes for profit. Um, and things kind of go haywire from there. And while it sounds like the kind of movie that the Coen brothers would make uh, based on the premise. It's has a very different vibe. Um, it is still very funny and there's still like enough plot, but it's a very kind of deliberate movie. The dialogue is kind of sparse. Even the score is a little on the sparse side, um, but it's really enjoyable and really thoughtful look at sort of how civilization comes to a place that is quote unquote new. Yeah, and I also, well, I've seen it too, and I also really enjoyed the film, but I like just that it's a story about friendship too, and people trying to come together to like build something, mm -hmm. uh, even though they are milk bandits, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, they're going on this caper, so to speak, but it's still fun, like I liked the relationship between the two main characters, yeah, I would definitely agree. That's that's definitely 
uh, especially on a rewatch. I think that's the thing that's going to keep me coming back to this movie over and over. Like I, the story is interesting. There's a lot of cool ideas in it, but you're right. It really is the relationship that, between the two of them and their sort of, you know, figuring each other out and how they work and what their goals are and what they're trying to do. Um, that really is like the core of the movie. Yeah. And I believe when this podcast airs, it will already be out, right? Because mm-hmm. it's coming out the 10th. Yes. Uh, so, Rosalie, what, what's your pick? So I wanted to, before I tell you my actual flick pick, just to kind of tag along here with new releases, uh, there is another new release coming out as well on the same day, actually, as First Cow, and it's called Relic. And I actually just posted a review to moviejohn.com about this film. I saw it at Sundance originally, and I was glad that I was able to revisit as well for the same reason you were just saying about First Cow, uh, because it actually sat with me even more the second time. And I think that's because I wasn't running from screening to screening that I actually got to like watch it and absorb the film. But mm-hmm. essentially it is a horror movie, but it's about dealing with like real life horror and just simply aging. And so it it really to me is terrifying. And what's most impressive about it is that it's from a, um, it's her first feature and her name is Natalie Erica James. So I highly recommend checking that out. And you reminded me when you were saying about new releases, there is still new things coming out. Yeah, it's it's weird because, you know, I mean, I think you and I, to some degree, spend a lot of our time, you know, watching older movies that, you know, we either have or have not seen before. Um, but it's it's weird because you know, we usually have a rhythm of, okay, like this is coming out this week or like I I have this movie that I'm looking forward to. And like, even the stuff that has come out, it's been kind of sporadic and almost like difficult to keep track of what's out and and when. So. Yes, um, I agree. I, I feel the same way. Like, you know, before the pandemic, I, I had a better handle on like what was coming out. And I think that was because like attending press screenings, you know, you know, like, okay, this is coming out on Friday. And in a month, I will see the new Cullen Brothers movie or what have Mm -hmm. you. But now it's like, the studios seem to just be randomly dropping the movie. Uh, I know, like with First Cow, for example, A24 had taken the stance, they were not digitally releasing. And now I think, because it seems that we're kind of in this ongoing pandemic, they're kind of realizing, you know what, we better start releasing some of these films because otherwise they're going to get too much of a backlog. Yeah. And and I think there's a a push pull between uh, releasing movies and also keeping an eye on the fact that production hasn't started up yet. So at some point they will just run out of new movies also because Mm -hmm. they can only release the ones that are, you know, complete. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. You know, I know that first Cal is not the only a 24 movie, uh, that they were planning on releasing this year. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm glad that at the very least, uh, both it and, uh, the five bloods will qualify for the Oscars. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, 
But, you know, to your point, even if they do run out of new movies, there's still so many older films to revisit, which you're right, is what I've been spending the majority of my time because I'm not going to press screenings as often. So I just wanted to highlight as one of my flick picks, I recently acquired, as I think I mentioned on a previous episode, a bunch of movies from Twilight Time because Mm -hmm. they went out of business. And one of my you know, blind buys, I guess I should say, because I was not familiar with these comedy shorts before, but I picked up a set of Thelma Todd and Patsy Kelly comedic shorts, and I love them so much. Now, there are 21 shorts on this set, and I think, honestly, we paid like $12 for it, but One of the cool things is if someone is interested in seeking this out, the set was actually put out by Classic Flicks, which is still around. So you can find the set elsewhere, but Twilight Time did have it pretty steeply discounted because of their going out of business sales. So we picked it up for like $12. And so far, we've watched about five or six of them. So I'm just going to highlight two that I've liked the most so far. And also, I did want to add, I think, I don't, I'm not sure, Ryan, are you a fan of short films? I like shorts whenever I watch them, but I'm very bad at making the effort to watch them. Well, um, you know, yeah. when I do have the, the, um, the opportunity to attend a film festival, I usually try to squeeze in at least one shorts program. Um, you know, but outside of that, they're just, they're hard to keep top of mind for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think though, what's interesting about what's happening now with so many of these streaming services is that they're hungry for content. So more and more like up and coming directors are getting their shorts like on Criterion Channel or on TCM because they need content to show. Because, for example, the woman I was just mentioning, Natalie Erica James, you can watch her short films on Vimeo. And it's just so cool to be able to like see how the person's progressed And also is able to tell what I love about shorts is just the story is told so quickly that there's not a lot of time uh, where they can really, you know, waste, I guess, so to speak. But it's also for me, the time commitment with shorts, like I like that Ben and I can throw a short on before we go to bed, like when we're eating a treat or something. Mm -hmm. And it's not like we're going to be sitting there for two hours. It's... 10 minutes. And it's just, I like that. But the two I wanted to mention was there was one called Babes in the Goods, which this was my whole introduction to live window demonstrations at department stores. Have you heard of that before? I have heard of that before. Um, So that's like, you know, like a window, like like big display windows in New York used to have like actual people in them. Yes. Not mannequins. Like they were people basically showing off products like live. And then like customers and people outside would just stand and watch them 
perform like, oh, we're going to show you how this dishwasher works. And I just thought, I didn't know about that till I watched this short. And I just think the whole concept is wild. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Uh... Like, it's just so weird. But, and it, it's essentially like you're watching a commercial, but like live, like as it's happening. Uh, but in this short, uh, Thelma Todd and Patsy Kelly, they're like performing the window dem- demonstration and their boss has told them like, you cannot leave or be done for the day till there's nobody outside watching because they're really trying to push this new dishwasher. Well, there's like a drunk guy outside and he's just like not leaving. So they're just basically stuck in there. And then what happens is they end up eventually getting locked in there because the store closes. (laughs) So they have to sleep in this like window But there's, like, all these different, like, obviously sections or rooms, essentially. So they end up, like, sleeping in one of the beds there. And, like, it's just really crazy. But I just, I knew nothing about, window like, live window demonstrations. And I don't know if I want them to exist, but I am very fascinated. I mean, I always love hearing the stories about the people who... Uh, will like hide inside Ikea until it closes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then like spend the night like sleeping in a display bed or whatever. Um, and that's that's the thing that if I were a slightly different person, I would consider attempting. Um, but But that's what that sounds like. And that sounds like a wonderful idea for a short. Yeah. And it was like, again, I think 16, 17 minutes. So it's not like, like what I like about the length is that it's funny, but they're not like overplaying the jokes, you know, where it just gets stupid. It's mm-hmm. you laugh a couple times and you're like, haha, that was fun. And then it's over. Uh, but the second one that I absolutely loved was called Soup and Fish. And in this one, they end up like, mistakenly getting invited to like this ritzy dinner party and basically how that happens is the two patsy and thelma are working at a salon and there's a customer there she has like a mud mask on so she thinks she's talking to one of her friends who was at the salon but she's actually talking to thelma and invites her to this like lavish dinner party at her house Well, apparently, whenever Patsy goes to, like, a party or a soiree, she takes a pocket, like, full of gags. So, like, hand buzzers, wind-up mice, like, whoopee cushions, and she, like, like, plays around and, like, jokes on the guests. And it has now inspired me that I want like an entire chest of gags like I want a trunk of gags and I think Ben was getting very concerned about me continuing to watch these shorts because I keep getting all of these like zany and crazy ideas from Patsy yeah I mean I I'm not a gag person uh in my personal life um because 
I fall for I feel like I fall for them easily. So mm-hmm. I, I can sympathize with Ben on this one. Well, I just want you to imagine though, like for a minute, like you're at a dinner party, I come in and I'm like performing my parlor tricks, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all sitting down at dinner, there's like candle lights, and then all of a sudden I let loose these like wind up mice and they're just weaving around the table. Like that would be really funny. Sure. Like I think it would add to the party because like most times, like sometimes parties are really awkward. So like I felt the gags were like a good way to like break the ice. Like she ends up friending at this party account, which I really want to meet someone that's account. I mean, isn't that the goal of every party is to befriend account? Well, and like, how do you meet account? Like, where, like, where do you go to meet one? I mean, Europe, I imagine. Yeah, which I do really want to go to Transylvania when we can travel again. Like, I feel like that would have a plethora of counts. Like, they would. Oh, yeah, be I feel everywhere. like every third person you meet in Transylvania is, is a count of some kind. Yes. So so that was my pick. And like I said, you can find this set and I highly recommend. Like we've only watched, I would say, five or six of them. And like even just the ones we've watched, I feel it was well worth the $12. I think you can pick it up for like 20 I, You know, I haven't done mm-hmm. thorough research, but I'm sure with a quick Google search, you'll find it and it'll come up. All right. So are you ready for this week's question? Uh, I'm ready if you're ready. All right. Here we go. Dear, I saw in a movie. Welp, the heat wave has arrived. I am not a big fan of summer, so I decided to bust out my Christmas tree, hang up some Twinkie lights, and get in the holiday spirit to celebrate a bit of Christmas in July. What is your go-to holiday flick? That is sure to bring me some holiday cheer. Regards, Santa's Elf. So, do you want to start us off? Uh, sure, I can start us off. I, I actually, uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to pick two movies, but I promise Uh-oh. that they're related. Okay. Um, so, where I kind of went with this question uh, was I was looking at movies that take place at Christmas, but were released in the summer. Um, Because, you know, I like the, uh, like Santa's elf. I hate summer. It's, it's spring, I think is actually a worse season uh, because it's so unpredictable, but I get very grumpy uh, in the summer. I need my air conditioning. Um, It's already been hot and yeah, I just feel gross all the time. So normally in normal non uh, pandemic times, going to the movies is a great place to get air conditioning. Agreed. Um, and so, you know, I was thinking of like, I forget what movie, there was a movie when I was younger that came out. It was like a hot day, but the movie took place somewhere that was cold. And like when my family and I came out of the theater into the hot sun, like the, like because of the movie and the air conditioning in the theater, like we forgot it was hot outside. Right. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Like I hate summer. I 
never really like as a child i enjoyed having off from school Mm -hmm. however it essentially meant that i would have to work more because my grandparents had owned a farmer's market so in the summertime instead of going to school we would go to the farmer's market and work which honestly i mean school or there was a toss-up uh but Mm -hmm. I hate sweating, and that's really why I don't like summer. And I just, as a normal, like, typical day, I sweat. But in the summer, it's just constant. And I feel yeah. like I am a creature. <laughs> like, I yeah. am just, like, I feel like I'm constantly crawling out of a swamp. Uh, I've taken to wearing, uh, like, sweat headbands, um, oh, even for doing, like, uh like zoom calls with friends on occasion if because yeah. our air conditioning is very loud since we just have like window units so rather than mm-hmm. shouting i will sweat profusely but i will make the sacrifice for my friends <laughs> yeah well unlike santa's elf though i also i don't really like winter either like my ideal time is fall like that's when i'm most happy which is like two months out of the year yeah, I mean, if I were to rank the seasons, it would definitely be fall, winter, spring, summer. Yeah. So I, I fall is my favorite season by far, um, but I do, I will take, I will gladly take winter over summer any day. Yeah, it depends. I, I, I just think we should have an like it should just always be fall, and there should always be pumpkins out, and that that I, would be my solution. I would not be opposed to that whatsoever. Halloween um, every night. That sounds great to me. Yeah. So all, all eaves are Hallow's eaves. Yes. Um, right. So that leads me to the movies <laughs> that I picked. Um, so I was looking at like Christmas movies that came out in the summer. And uh, there's actually two that fall into uh, the superhero genre. Um, those being uh, Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Uh, which came out in June of 1992, uh, and Shane Black's Iron Man 3 that came out in May of 2013. Um, so both of these are su- like the quintessential summer movie genre right now, uh, but they both take place at Christmas time. It's less noticeable in Iron Man 3 because uh, it takes place a lot of it takes place in Southern California. So in Miami, so it's not, they're, they're not places that are, that look, you know, snowy and dark and everything. It's still, you know, very sunny. Uh, but there are a lot of like Christmas lights throughout the movie. You know, the characters talk about the Christmas season occasionally. Um, you know, on the other hand, Batman returns is a hundred percent. Like it's snowing all the time. I mean, the penguin is one of the villains and he has an army of, actual penguins walking around so you know they need the snow and ice um you know so that movie has the more visual like there's a lot of you know christmas trees and snow and presents and and everything so uh you know i I thought this was a a way of sort of you know because even if i was doing christmas in july i don't know that i would put in one of my like all-time favorite christmas movies because i feel like they keep their specialness if you really do hold them to that one time of year but if i was like right having a christmas in july film festival these are the kinds of movies that i would sort of like bridge that gap with 
That that makes sense to me because agree I agree with you that I kind of have a similar aspect with certain movies for Halloween. I only really like to bust them out when it's like September, October time frame because then it mm-hmm. holds as you said, like it keeps it special. And it's yep. something that like a ritual that I do to celebrate that holiday. Whereas if I was constantly watching it, it wouldn't feel like that. Right. You know, my go-to examples would be like, you know, Mad Monster Party comes out uh, around October. Sure. And Rudolph comes around in December. Yeah. Yeah. I For for me, you know, some of my favorite Christmas movies, of course, are some of the classics. And like, for example, Miracle on 34th Street. I've seen it, you know, a few times, but I, I don't overdo it because mm-hmm. I don't want it to lose that feeling I get when I watch it. I, I, I really enjoy it. So I try, I'll watch it one time and it's usually in December and then it gets put away. Uh, ironically, that 1947 version was actually released in June, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. That see didn't know that. That's interesting. So that could be another pick then. Definitely. For your um, but what I do like about these, you know, besides the fact that they're very much superhero movies, and Iron mm-hmm. Man three is, you know, even in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, is that they do they do function the way that Christmas movies are supposed to function in my mind, which is, you know, they are both sort of about, you know, opening a new chapter in your life. Um, so in Iron Man three, uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark is going through a bit of, uh, PTSD from events that happened in the previous films. And he's just has a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry. Um, and so this movie is sort of him figuring out how to cope and sort of get back to basics. And it does have that sort of like, you know, personal renewal kind of message, uh, to it, you know, and the, and the same thing with, uh, Batman Returns, especially in uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's version of Catwoman, who was literally reborn, um, you know, and and so it, it really does have that. Like I said, they both have enough of the Christmas spirit, but you know, they're not your your White Christmas, your It's a Wonderful Life, where like I use those movies to get myself into the holiday spirit. Versus, you know what I mean? So, yes, um, like I said, these these would give me some Christmas feeling, but not you know, totally mess up when I come back around to these movies in six months. Yeah, and I think that makes total sense. Uh, So would you like to hear what I selected? Definitely. All right. So I actually went with a movie that I had not seen before, uh, but I had been meaning to watch for a long time. And Essentially, I thought it would be a perfect pick, but it's called uh, Christmas in July, and it's from 1940 and written and directed by Preston Sturges, who I absolutely love as a filmmaker. Yeah, I need to see more of. I need to see more of his movies. I've only seen Sullivan's Travels, and one of these days I will. I will do a full watch of every Preston Sturges movie I can get my hands on. With the Criterion sale coming up. I highly recommend purchasing The Lady Eve Mm. with Barbara Stanwyck and Henry Fonda. I will be purchasing that during the sale because I don't own it. I I believe I had seen it when I took it out from the library. 
And Criterion had had it on DVD, but it has now been upgraded to blue. So I'm taking the plunge. I'm going to pick that up during the sale, but I recommend, I think you would like it. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So this Christmas in July, I had picked it up on VHS and we have had it for quite some time. And I will say we do have quite a number of VHS tapes, but they don't come upstairs as often as the DVDs do because the way that they're stored. So I did have to dig this one out and it does star uh, just to let you know, let me see, Dick Powell and Ellen Drew. And essentially this story is about a lot of mix-ups and confusion. Uh, Jimmy who is Dick Powell, he enters a radio contest with a coffee company. Essentially, they're trying to find a new slogan for an advertising campaign. So they put out this contest and the winner is to receive $25,000. And in doing some research for the show, I did find out that really that money today would equate to about half a million dollars. So... A nice, you know, chunk of change. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Jimmy enters this contest and, you know, he really essentially sees it as a way to improve his life. Uh, And he spends a lot of time like imagining what he would do with the money, which to my surprise, which I think this is where some of the Christmas element comes in. He really doesn't want to spend the money on himself, but on other people. Like he wants to buy things for his mom because, you know, apparently his father passed away and like he grew up somewhat poor. So like he wants to give his mom, give his mom the things that he feels she deserves, but also do the same for neighbors that also don't have a lot. He wants Mm -hmm. to help them and he wants to help his girlfriend, Betty. So I thought that was very nice and like you know it's not your typical what you would see i feel in like a story today where the person's just like i'm gonna buy a porsche and i'm gonna buy a mansion right he's more thinking about other people so more of a more of a bomb cratchit than an ebenezer scrooge one could say yes yes exactly so Coincidentally, Jimmy actually works for a competitor coffee company in their accounting department, along with Betty. And some of his coworkers, they overhear him like gabbing about this contest because the the winner was supposed to be announced. And essentially, the people that are selecting like the winner are having trouble picking which slogan because they got so many responses. So the winner, like the announcement was delayed. So the coworkers are like hearing him talk about this and they decide they want to see like what would happen if someone found out they won, like essentially what would they do? So mm-hmm. they create a fake telegram And they leave it on his desk, informing him that he won. And this is kind of where all the chaos ensues. Because now, you know, Jimmy reads it. He's, like, leaping on the desk, celebrating. And, of course, just as this happens, the president of the company walks in and has a bit of a meltdown. 
because he's like, why aren't people working? You know, like he's clearly. What's interesting about Preston Sturgis is Ben and I were talking about the film afterwards, and we feel like he was definitely a communist because it comes through in a lot of his writing, like the president is all about get back to work. You know, you're wasting my time and time is money sort of mentality. But what's interesting is like Jimmy's actual direct boss in this moment, like sticks up for him. And he's just like, no, like this guy won a major contest. He's celebrating and he works for you and he does a lot of work and he does it well. Like let him celebrate. Uh, So I thought that was really interesting because, again, like, I don't know, like it's these old films, like they have a lot of these kind of hidden messages in them. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like you see it as often today. Yeah. I feel like there's not as many movies today that deal with schemes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agreed. Or like, oh, I'm going to deceive someone, but in the name of some, you know, like a, a a greater good or something, you know? Yeah. Agreed. I, I feel you don't see as many. Well, and the, again, to go back to First Cow, like, that's why I liked the movie so much, because it is like this caper of sorts. Mm-hmm. And you just don't see that anymore. Uh, yeah, it, it's almost like the great Muppet caper, like perfected the genre and everyone was like, oh, well, that's it. We can't do better than that. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, you know, when he finds out that he won, like a lot of just entertaining moments start happening when the president of the company that he works for, you know, realizes, oh, will you... You mean you won for a slogan that you wrote for our competitor? Well, I'm going to promote you now because you must be smart. So like he, you know, offers him a promotion. He's going to get a corner office. Like all of these like things are happening. And it's all because the coworker left this fake telegram. Uh, Jimmy goes off to collect his winnings. And there's just, again, a lot of confusion because... The other company owner is like, oh, well, let me see this telegram. Oh, okay. I guess you won. Here's your $25,000. So he writes him a check. And then that's when Jimmy and Betty go on this like complete shopping spree. And again, you know, in today's world, $25,000 doesn't seem like a lot. But in 1940, it was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So they're I mean, like, I would still take it down. I, oh, sure. I get it. Yeah, like, but when they go to this department store, they're just like buying everything. And again, not buying things like he does buy some stuff for Betty. Like he decides to buy her an engagement ring. But what I loved about that scene is like they're trying to show her this like extremely like gaudy ring. And she's like, no, I just want this little one. Like, she doesn't want the -the over-the-top ring. Like, they want to use the money more, I guess, wisely and want to help other people. So, anyway, eventually, you know, it is found out that he did not actually win. And there is a ton of chaos, but I just feel I don't want to spoil it for people. Like, I think you should totally seek this movie out. 
And on top of it, it's only an hour and seven minutes long. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. And it's like, there's so, because Ben and I were just talking about it, you know, a lot last night, how so much happens. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my gosh, it's only an hour. Uh, but I, again, it didn't have like that wintry setting. But I think for me, why I still feel it works for this listener is because I did feel that there still were a ton of Christmas themes like throughout, Mm -hmm. you know, like the feeling of giving gifts and doing things for other people and not necessarily because you have to, it's because you want to. Mm -hmm. And they were buying things for people. It wasn't even a holiday. They're just like, no, we want to make their life better or give them some sort of happiness. And it made me think about, too, maybe the listener could send out, like, Christmas cards now. Like, I mean, what's wrong with doing that, of sending cards to people, especially with just everything people are going through? I I mean, to me, I love getting random pieces of mail. Yeah, I mean, every day, uh, the mail coming is, I mean, one of the highlights of the day, honestly, even if it's nothing but you know, advertisements and bills, uh, which is most days, it's always, it's always nice to to get something in the mail. It's funny. One of my uh, friends posted on Facebook and he's like, look, I don't want to, you know, change or create more work for people, but like, how awesome would it be if like the mail and like UPS and FedEx and stuff, like all did their deliveries overnight. So like you would get up in the morning, you would like open the door and you'd be like, it came, it came. And it would be like, like a little Christmas. Christmas anytime you order something. And there'd be like a little pile there. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, hopefully. I mean, we have been obviously ordering more things online because we just haven't been going out except for the grocery store. So I do feel... Like whenever a UPS or FedEx truck pulls up to the house, we are both like dogs at the window, <laughs> like seeing, is it something coming in to the house? Yeah, like waiting for them to get, to get out of the truck to see like, you know, is, are they coming to our house? Like, yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And especially like I've been ordering, I've been trying to uh, spend less money with Amazon and, and other companies like that. So I've been ordering from more diverse places so there's Mm -hmm. been a lot more of i don't even know when this is going to come so yeah which honestly is kind of nice because i do find that then it just shows up like the most perfect time where you're Mm -hmm. just like i had a bad work day and then you get a dvd and you're like yay so I so i did want to share one other piece of advice but i'm warning you that it is a little strange. Okay. But I thought that that would be fun. Like, just getting weird. So, I I think you may know this, but at one point in my past, I, I had worked at a grocery store. And I'm not going to say the name, but it was a rather big chain, and I worked in human resources there. And one of my responsibilities was like at holiday time we would run contests in the store like for the shoppers like sometimes it would just be like oh you can you know 
get a raffle ticket and then we would hold a raffle that day or something like that. But one of the things that we did once was where we we put candy in a jar and then the mm-hmm. shoppers could like guess the amount. And it was like Valentine's Day or something. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because in the movie Christmas in July, Jimmy was like a serial contest entrant. And I just feel like as neat as that sounds, like you have to be careful with contests because you want to make sure like you're reading the fine print and like making sure you're actually seeing what you want. So we did this contest, like I said, with the guess the number of candy and this person entered and then we got this letter and I would like to read this letter on the air. Yes, please. Which I have to let you know, I have changed some information to not reveal the true individual or the company. And I also want you to know that I had stolen this letter. Because it in was your like own, your own small caper. Yes, because it was in like an evidence box for a very long time. And then I took it before I left. And now I have it in the lab. But here we go. Dear Culligan's Grocery Market. Maybe it was me who misunderstood, but never nevertheless, I was terribly disappointed and upset when I got a call from your store on Valentine's Day telling me I won the M&M contest by guessing the jar held 475 M&Ms when it actually held 474. Quite a remarkable guess, you have to admit. When I went to claim my winnings, can you imagine how surprised and shocked I was when you handed me the jar of M&M's as my prize, instead of the beautiful basket display. That was so terribly wrong, hurtful, and misleading. Can you appreciate my shock and disappointment at your store? Not a very nice thing to do to someone. I was so thrilled when your grocery store called me. What a terrible bring-down inflicted upon me. Shame on you all. Don. Caballero. P.S. Enter a contest for a jar of M&M's. Never! (laughs) And there's like multiple R's. That's amazing. I mean, any letter that that has nevertheless in like the opening line is going to be a good one. Um, So just to paint this picture further, okay, because you have to imagine like at work, I wear a disguise, you know, like they don't know that I'm into wax and mannequins and gadgets. Mm -hmm. So like this letter actually came in and was sent to the store while I was on vacation. Ben and I had gone to Hawaii and this was like a really big deal when we went because we had recently got married and we hadn't gone on a honeymoon and we had been married for like a few months, but we found this like amazing trip deal online Mm -hmm. and we went to Hawaii for like 10 days, which was really crazy because I figured out like how to 
get like 10 days off at work because I didn't have a lot of vacation. And when I came back, this letter was sitting on my desk (laughs) and the owner of the store like wanted to discuss it with me, like seriously, like discuss contests. And like, I, when I read the letter, like I could not stop laughing, but the owner took it very seriously like he was so, very upset that I ran a contest for candy and yeah. So, so no one got, so there was a basket on this way, but the basket wasn't the, the prize. I think we might've had multiple. Now, mind you, this was like 2010. So like okay. my memory is not very good. I bet you there were like multiple prizes for different things because we would get a lot of donations from like vendors and such mm-hmm. and some of sometimes we would hold in-store contests where it's like oh all day long while you're shopping we may pull your name and you'll win this you know coca-cola tent or something like right so I don't know swag to be had but clearly something was not identified appropriately and he was just not pleased with the M&M's well the other thing I was going to say is that so his guess was 475 and there was 474 yes so by Price's right rules which is closest without going over he wouldn't have won anyway oh see this you needed to be there i mean because so that to me it sounds like you know this is like a third or fourth place prize is to win the candy and maybe there was miscommunication like right. I said, it's in the past we'll never know but you know i i feel like this this grievance is um just far far misplaced in the grand scheme of things. Well, and I will I will black out the actual names and everything, but I will post the copy online because you should see like the way it was written. Like you can tell someone was angry. <laughs> and they were getting <laughs> oh, this their was rage a hand, uh, out. This was, this was a handwritten letter, not oh, a typed yes. letter. Oh yes. Handwritten. And yeah, but it was funny because, you know, I just thought it was all a big joke. But the owner, I think he ended up giving the guy like an like a big gift card. And I, it's just like well, you're rewarding bad behavior. I mean, that's what uh, managers of retail stores are, are best at doing, it seems like. Yeah. So that because was my, yeah. Having worked retail, in, you know, in my time. It's amazing what what people will complain about because they know they're going to get something for it. You know, as we have this show longer, I will reveal other things that have occurred in my retail experience. And I don't live the philosophy that the customer is always right. Yeah, I'm very much of the mind that the I'm sorry, sir. The policy is the policy, and the more you complain, the less I'm like the the more that you angrily complain the less likely I would be to acquiesce to that demand. Right. So that is my weird story. I hope you enjoyed my dramatic reading. I did. 
Good. Good. So I guess before we sign off, don't forget, you can find a breakdown of the episodes on moviejohn.com, where you can also subscribe to our quarterly print movie zine. And our next issue's theme is circuses, carnivals, and state fairs. Please make sure to visit moviejohn.com shop to subscribe for home delivery. And then you can also follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at I Saw It In A Movie. And if you're seeking movie advice for yourself, send us your questions to dear I saw it in a movie at gmail.com. We also love postal mail, if you didn't get that from earlier in this episode. <laughs> you can send us mail at P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145, Attention Movie John. And Ryan, where can people find you at? Sure. Uh, you can find me in the pages of Movie John. Uh, you can find the rest of my writing at cinema76.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Silver Whatever. That's with a B. And you can find me on Instagram at the.oldsport or Twitter at Bonjour Old Sport. And also check out my other podcast, Cinematic Crypt, in which I go six feet under to uncover films of Hollywood's past. And that is available for download at moviejohn.com or wherever you catch your pods. So before we go, uh, Ryan, do you have a piece of advice? I do. Uh, I have a piece of advice from Batman Returns, directly from Batman himself which is that mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. Well, one, I don't know if I've ever wanted to eat mistletoe, but two, is it deadly for real? I don't know, but and I don't have the inclination to find out, but I'm inclined to trust Batman on this one. Yeah, he is a detective. Mm -hmm. So he probably sleuthed it out. Well, my. Uh, and what about you? Do you have uh, a piece of advice to share I from do. Christmas in July? I do. Mine comes from Jimmy McDonald, and he said, To know I won this contest because I thought up a better slogan than anyone else means more to me than anything else on earth. And I'll tell you why. You see, I used to think that maybe I had good ideas and was going to get somewhere in the world, but now I know it. And that's what I want to thank you for. It means more even than the money. And I think that's really cool and important. And it also brings me back to the M&M letter. Like, dude, just be happy. Like, look, you're really smart. You were able to, like, figure out how many M&Ms were in there. That's also, really cool. They're a delicious candy and they won't melt. Uh, until they get into your mouth right and like entering a contest like sometimes it's not about money it's just like the thrill of like wow someone recognized something that i did mm -hmm. so take that eminem man <laughs> and that is all and thank you for listening i i hope you enjoyed the program and remember for every question there is a movie with the answer Bye. Bye-bye.